welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast. Yes, sir. The one podcast in the world that answers the only question that truly matters. So we talked about the NBA draft. We talked about the NBA finals. And it's the offseason. So these teams are trying to build themselves up in order to be able to achieve the ultimate goal and winning the NBA championship. So once again, it's how you hate from outside the finals. You can't even get in. And that's exactly where we're going to go today because there's been a lot of trades, a lot of drafts we got to talk about. We got to talk about the five winners and the five losers of the NBA draft. You may or may not agree with us. That's fine. We're always open to conversations. So when this is posted, if you want to just, you know, drop by and say like, hey, like, listen, I think that they won the draft. I think this was a great pick. Whatever you whatever you want to say, we're always open to listen to. And we also got to talk about those trades, my guy. We got to mm-hmm. talk about the Kristaps trade. We got to talk about the Marcus Smart trade. We got to talk about the Bill trade. And we also got to talk about Ja Wick. <laughs> ja Morant with his guns. We got to talk about the suspension. Yeah, all this stuff is what we're going to go over today. So is there anything else you want to talk about, Jason, before we get started? Anything you want to say to the listeners out there? Oh, well, we actually have a new thing that got announced today that we'll have to talk about as well today. And John Collins getting traded to the Utah Jazz for Rudy Gay. Uh, Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, so that's going to be a pretty big uh, topic, too. So we're definitely going to hit that one as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so I think the best place to start is to start with what's most current. So I would say, let's talk about the NBA draft. Okay. Who do you have as your five winners and five losers of the NBA draft? All right, Chris, let me ask you a question. Are you feeling like you want to start off this podcast nice and negative or super positive? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go super positive. Okay. I had a pretty rough morning. (laughs) Okay. Let's Let's cheer up the world here. All right, the number one winner in the NBA draft is the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets have been definitely been on the top five winners uh, for the past few years. They've gotten a really good value picks in the past. The guy like Tari Eason uh, paired mm-hmm. with uh, Jabari Smith Jr. They were in this last year's list, but number one this year because of Man Thompson of work. We talked about it on the podcast. With reacting to the full NBA draft live, which you guys should check out, he's a perfect fit there. He's exactly what they needed. They needed a point guard that could do the passing, that can allow KCP and Jalen Green to play their uh, normal positions, but they needed a guy that could also be tall so they could have all these guys on the floor. And it's rare for a point guard to be 6'7 like a man is. And he's such a freak athlete. He's such a freak defensively. It was a perfect fit there. Even though he was big board number five for me, it was a perfect fit. But then they topped it off with Cam Whitmore, my number seven guy on my big board at 20. This makes so much sense. And this is why they knocked it out of the park. They got number five and number seven on my big board. That's huge. Um, They killed this. Uh, You know, if Cam Whitmore has some injury concerns or, um, you know, maturity or whatever the issue is. You take the chance on him at number 20. Like that, for a guy that's the seventh pick level talent in the draft, um, you know, this is too great to pass on. And I feel like Houston is the number one winner in the draft because of fit with a man and getting the biggest value pick in the draft was Cam Whitmore at 20. So, pretty obvious. Houston number one. 
Yeah, so about that Cam Whitmore thing, and I think we had live reaction to this. We was like, he's gonna like. I, I think I said that he might fall if if he didn't get picked up in the couple mm-hmm. in like the first couple in like the first ten picks or something like that. Yeah. Um, but there, I was reading online that he had like a do not draft um for some teams because of injury. I think okay. I think there's some injury going on. I, I don't think they went into too much depth. I didn't, or maybe I just didn't do enough research. Mm-hmm. But it was they had him on a do not draft. That's why a lot of teams okay. passed on him. Interesting. Um, so I, yeah, it's due to some injury. But I absolutely, positively, without a without a doubt, hundred percent, two hundred percent, three thousand percent, agree with you about the Houston Rockets. I said it during the during our last episode, and I said it again is that the Houston Rockets are exciting to watch. They have yeah. so many young pieces. They're building a young core. They're slowly putting the pieces together. And you know some of these guys are going to stick around. Some of them are not, but they're going to find you're going to find that that core, mm-hmm. and that's going to lead them to the championship. They have their players. They have you know the Jalen Greens. They have the Jabari Jamari Smith Juniors. Mm-hmm. They you know they got Tari Eason, and they just got Cam Whitmore, um, and a and a, and a, a, a Min Thompson. So like they yeah. really are putting it together. Um, along with what they already have, and I think they're going to do pretty. And they have the coach now. They they really have the coach. They have everything they need going forward to slowly build a championship contender. And I think they're a couple years away at this point. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that sentiment more, Chris. Uh, this this team is definitely uh, they they put a few puzzle pieces together here that's going to be great moving forward in the future. And they're going to be must watch TV. They got so much young talent. Uh, I'm on. I'm only mad because if they would have skipped on him in that one, the Lakers could have got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's okay. It was meant to be. Him and Houston make sense. Yeah. No expectations. True. All right, you ready to get the number two on the top five winners? Yeah, let's go. Uh, the second biggest winner of the draft is the Utah Jazz. You know, they mm. definitely have a theme of this draft, which is high upside guys. So... At number nine, they picked the third guy on my big board, Taylor Hendricks. I'm a huge fan of him, 6'10", super lanky, super athletic, defensively and athletically. Reminds me a ton of Serge Ibaka. Um, you know, he shoots 39% from the three-point line, definitely could space the three. Um, you know, the reason why I loved him a little bit more than everybody else is the handle. I feel like it's super natural when he handles the ball. It looks really easy to him. Um, take a few dribbles is not an issue. So I do think that he has extremely high upside. And, you know, Utah is so far away from winning. They got a good young core. They kind of got good young pieces everywhere. So, you know, I understand taking boom or bust guys here. Uh, and then at the 18th pick, no, my bad. At the 16th pick, they chose Keontae George, who was the 18th yeah. guy on my big board. But again, a perfect boom or bust guy because, you know, the negatives were his shooting splits are terrible. You know, his system was really great around him. You know, his height's not that great. His um, athletic gifts not that great. Six four, two guard that removes very averagely athletically. But his shot creation for himself at the three point line does have really big upside. And if it hits, you can have a really great player at the two guard. Um, you know, I don't believe in it as much, but. You know, I have him 18 on the big board because the the upside is too intriguing. And if you're Utah, mm-hmm. again, they have a young player at every position. So, you know, just drafting the guys with the biggest upside makes sense. And I feel like they did that with their next pick as well. Bryce Sensible, number 28th pick in the draft. 
And he was the 12th guy on my big board. You know, I believed in him more than a little bit than everybody else did. He's 6'6 with a 7-foot wingspan. He's a shot creator from every level. Um, completely unlike uh, Keontae George because his shooting splits are legendary, historically speaking. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so phenomenal shooting splits for the amount of points per game he scores. He can definitely break down everybody off the dribble, step back, side steps. You know, uh, just playing off of angles and great footwork as a scorer. And the reason why he was lower in the draft, most some people were very conflicted on the belief on him, is he's a very average to maybe even below average athlete. But, you know, I believe in him because he has such a strong body that I think he'll be able to create the space needed to get his game off. But again, this is a perfect big upside pick because if that and I'm right about that, right? You're going to get immense value for this pick. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. they drafted perfect prototypes of players that fit what they need and the trying to go for the home runs. And they did that at every pick that they had. And, you know, they should feel good about executing uh, a general idea, I guess. So they definitely did a really good job with it. Okay. Uh, I, I thought that you had said before that you said that they had picked a player that was very similar to Lori Markkinen. Um, um, it's so just the it... position. Yeah. Oh, the Taylor position. Hendricks okay. is a power forward. That's the issue. Okay. So yeah. you don't think he's going to get too many minutes, though, because he's going to be playing nah. behind Lori Markkinen. A lot of bench time. And now they just added John yeah. Collins, so even more bench time. That's true. That's <laughs> yeah. true. Um,. That's another young team, though, that, I, yeah. that I'm really looking forward to seeing. I think they were they were very exciting last year. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with these couple picks that they, they're getting better. And I think that she used the perfect word, the prototype. Because a lot of these players are, you know, that they picked up are kind of like they can become something as long as their yes. development is, you know, is on the level of like, you know, one of those good development teams like the Miami Heat or the Spurs or something like that. They can yeah. develop these players and they can be something in the future for them. But I'm not too big exactly on the utah jazz's development team um but we'll see because uh, I, I i'm just not too big on them right now okay that makes sense but uh yeah you ready to kick it to the next team yeah let's go all right oh man number three biggest winners and losers the los angeles lakers are number three all right at yeah. the 17th pick they got the 11th guy on my big board, Jalen Hood Shafino. He's a 6'6 point guard from Indiana, the best mid-range shooting point guard in the draft. Um, he's really got high upside to be a guy that can average a solid 18 and 6 in the future, 18, 6, and 6. We can re 6 rebounds through the height. He's a pretty solid defender. He shoots a 3 decently well. He flashes some shot creation for himself with a 3-point line, but it's pretty rare, but you know, when we're talking about the Lakers, it seems like D'Lo's out the door. There's just, like, riding on the wall that it just seems like he's going to be out the door. So, them getting a young point guard like this, that can definitely... Um, he's not, like, a super unrefined product. Does that make sense? Like, he is he's definitely not a guy that's going to take five years to become the best version of himself. And, you know, mm. so I definitely think day one he can at least be a backup point guard. Um, you know, he he's definitely a skilled guy. I compare him to poor man Shagel Alexander. He's extremely smooth and that makes so much sense for them positionally and you know, athletically. And again, 
The reason why I have them three is I have a man crush on their second round draft pick, who I have number six in the draft, Maxwell Lewis. You know, Pepperdine University, the guy is a three-level shot creator. I view him as a similar type of player as Brandon Ingram. He's 6'8 as well. He, you know, he has all the moves, all the footwork. He's got sidesteps, step backs, playing off people's angles, you know, playing in the mid-range and having the triple threat. Like, he has it all. Um, you know, he has real NBA skill, and he does it efficiently in a high-volume role at Pepperdine. I don't understand why people didn't view him the way I did. You know, maybe I could be wrong, but when you get that number six and number 11 guy on my big board, I'm going to be happy about it. You know what I mean? So yeah. Lakers are going to be here at number three. Hopefully I'm right. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, you know, I, I trust my eye when it comes to Maxwell Lutz. So I just have a few questions, right? <clears throat> so there are some rumblings, some rumblings, basically saying that it's not D'Lo we need to worry about being out the door. It could be Austin Reeves. It's some rumblings that Jalen Hood Shafino is there to replace Austin Reeves, not D'Lo. I couldn't see that. That wouldn't make much sense to me, honestly. It's some rumblings, and I don't know, like, it hasn't been confirmed or not like that, but it's just, it's some rumblings that it's like, hey, Jalen is here to replace Austin, not D'Lo. That'd be interesting. I don't know. It's tough to know what Austin Reed's market is going to be and all those type of things, so I'm not 100% certain, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I... Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, Chris. Yeah, that's very interesting because considering the fact that there were some also some rumblings before the draft, way before the draft, you know, during the you know time when the Lakers were in Cancun, you know, they weren't um, participating in the NBA Finals. Um, that they that the Lakers were willing to match anything on Austin Reeves. So I don't know where the truth is and where the lie is, but mm -hmm. we'll just have to wait and see. Because I was reading that a lot, like we have to match. We're the Lakers are going to match everything on Austin Reeves, and like, but now I'm hearing that D'Lo might be the one to stay. Austin Reeves may be the one to go. Would you? Okay, so then I guess my question would for you would be: Would you make Austin Reeves your starting point guard? Dear goodness, no. But that's why you have Jalen Hutchinson. Because if so, he's, he's goes, your starter. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think Jalen's ready to be day one starter. Especially mm. since he gets to play like so LeBron for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Huchafino is just... His best skill is the pick and roll. Manipulating the pick and roll is he's highly developed. I Okay, the best way to put it is... This is the way I can answer that question in an instant. Mm -hmm. highly athletic players that are not as developed skill-wise when they're forced to be on a championship team year one are not going to be able to translate well because a championship-level yeah. team takes a lot of intelligence. But Jalen hood Shafino mm -hmm. is the flip side of that coin, where he relies more on his skill and his height and his mind to manipulate pick-and-rolls and, rolls and make it, uh, manipulate defenses. Like He plays with a, in, in, in intelligence. So... I, I do think that day one, mentally, he'll be ready to be in the NBA as a starting point guard. I mean, he's not going to be... He's going to be LeBron. LeBron's going to be the point guard, but, like, the secondary ball handler? Sure. Yeah. 
So you view the Lakers as a championship level team? Ooh. <laughs> um, if I if the players that they drafted do as well as I think they can do, there there's a chance that they could surprise a lot of people. Okay, okay, I, I'll I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Okay, all right, we can kick it to the next one. All right, the number four team on the winners and losers. The number four is the Spurs. I mean, you get Wemby, hello, Victor Wembyama, generational talent, Duke can defend everywhere, could be a DPOY guy, the best scoring footwork I've ever seen coming out of the draft in the last three years. So special. Um, he is all, he matches up with all the hype. I think everybody understands that, but what they did in the second round as well adds to the cushion of them being number four, and that's uh, Sydney Cisco. Sydney Cisco or Sydney Scoloco, it's a tough name, but I'll give you guys mm -hmm. a description here. I think he was the 26th or 27th guy on my big board, but he's basically a 6'7 guy with a 6'9, 6'10 wingspan, played in the G League with Scoot. Um, he's a small forward. He's a pretty good defender. He's a, you know, 30% three-point shooter. He can't shot create for himself, but he's a good passer. And I compared him to a poor man, Scotty Barnes. So yeah. think about a guy that they used to have, Kyle Anderson, and you can imagine the type of role that they can have for that big, highly intelligent, good passing uh, guard or forward. There's a lot of mm -hmm. ways that he they can be used in San Antonio with all their movement. And they're passing. So even though the, he was drafted at the 44-year-old world pick, I do think that he'll stick on the Warriors for a while just because of clear fit. Like, they knocked that pick out of the park. They make so much sense for them, the way they play basketball. So I, I, I think when you add on top of Wemby, that pick that fits so perfectly at 44, that's why they're here at number four. Wow. Okay. So that was surprising because now, because I just kind of just realized something that your number one win winner is not the team that got Wimbenyama, but the Houston Rockets, the team that picked up some solid picks into and it really made their future much brighter. That's wow. A lot of people would disagree with that, right? But I don't because honestly, I kind of get where you're coming from with the with Wimby, but then I kind of have a different perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to start by saying this, don't shoot the messenger, right? Okay. So I've watched a little bit of Wimby, right? And I, I see that, I see his allure, like he's like 7'4", and he can shoot lights out, and he plays defense, and he can cross people up, but he's really skinny. But I'm like, we have Bull Bull, we have Chet Holmgren. I mean, is the allure just his height? I mean, like, I understand he has talent. Like, don't get me wrong. There's talent there. But is the true allure just how tall he is? Because if he was a smaller guard doing the same thing, would he be as highly a touted prospect oh, as he no. is? No. No. I think it's the footwork mixed with the athletic gifts and the shooting progress that leads into it. I mean, that guy averaged 21, and he touches the post, maybe, you know, gets six to four points a game off the post. Like, shush. But... I get it, but he's towering over everybody. <laughs> he's going to be. He's always going to be. That's he's sick. towering. He's towering yeah. over everybody. So I mean, I expect him to average like twenty. If you all you have to do is drop the ball in the basket. Uh, uh, I would disagree. I, I, he's definitely a better prospect than Chet. 
I, I do think. And so no, 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 I'm not saying that he's oh, not okay. on the same. I'm not saying that he's not better. What I'm saying is that is his true allure the fact that he's tall doing these things when we have guards and we have already have players like that in the NBA. Yeah. I, like I said, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just saying, like, is his true allure that he's tall doing these things? Because I said, like, if he's a smaller guard, like Scoot height doing the same thing, would he be as highly touted of a prospect? They're good in the snow. That that's where I'm getting at. Yeah. What I'm I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm saying that really, truly, honestly, the fact that he's tall makes him way more you know um, valuable. Because mm-hmm. if he was a the if he was like scoot height or like maybe a little bit taller, he would be average. Mm-hmm. Every 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 guard in the NBA does exactly the same thing. Yeah, I could see the argument. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not saying. He's a bad prospect, but I'm saying I'm just a little bit different because I know that the reason why he's highly touted is because he's tall. But if he was 6'6", doing the same thing, they would be like, eh, maybe you can be in a lottery, but you probably be like the 10th pick. Mm. You see? like You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Okay. I just want to make sure that I'm not like being all over the place. No, it's okay. okay. I get it. I get it. <clears throat> okay. Okay. You ready to uh, transition to the last, the last winner? Mm-hmm. All right. The fifth winner of the draft is the Charlotte Hornets. All right. I was waiting on that. Okay. <laughs> first things first. Um, you know the Brandon Miller pick was a great fit on the team. Um, it made yes. a lot more sense than pairing with Scoot with. Lamelo, two yes. point guards usually don't work, but they especially don't work when they're so gifted at passing like that. You know, um, think about point guards in the past that have worked well together. A pure example is Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Fleet, but Fred Van Fleet wasn't the uh, the passer that Kyle Lowry was. You know what I mean? But Lamelo's mm-hmm. uh, world class generational level passing talent. And Scoo Henderson, I comp to Kyle Lowry and John Wall and Kyle Lowry intelligent-wise. It's just those type of passers just don't usually fit on the same team together. So yeah, um, that's why I think that was the right pick because of fit. You know, I have Brandon Miller as the fourth guy on my big board. I view him as a more athletic Peja Stojakovic. Definitely a good pick. But, you know. Peja. Yes, sir. <laughs> At the 27th pick, they did what teams that are rebuilding should do, is take chances, right? Boomer bust pick. 27, they drove Nick Smith Jr. You know, I had him 21 on my big board. He is a has a really great handle. His best ability is finishing in the mid-range, getting, drawing fouls. Uh, you know, he definitely has it. You know, he's not a great athlete. He's an average athlete. He's a pretty solid standstill shooter, above average defender. And the upside of him is the best version is Lou Williams, right? And that's a pretty yeah. good guard. But, you know, there is a very good possibility that he's going to bust. But we have the 27th pick in the draft. That's a perfect decision. And then they keep that same formula with the next pick with James Najee at the 31st pick in the draft. You know, I compared him to Clint Capella. He's extremely strong, 6'10" hyper athletic guy he you know is extremely raw in his offensive game but he moves people because of how strong he is or rebounds so well he has a high upside to be a solid role player center in the nba uh more physical clint capella 
So, you know, you add that with Mark Williams. Now you got two high upside centers on the same team. And you only had to spend the 31st pick in the draft to get that secondary center. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, the 40 for, 41st pick in the draft, a Marley Bet, Mari Bailey. You know, he is a 6'3. Uh, he played the two guard in college at UCLA, but he's going to play point guard uh, in the NBA. He, he had a guy named Tyson Campbell, who was a five foot ten point guard that was really intelligent. So they couldn't play him at point guard, but he's a legitimately good passer. Um, he splits pick and rolls well. He's decently athletic, so he can get to the rim. He defends really well. He can have a standstill three-point shot, but he's got nothing else in his game. But the reason why I really like mm -hmm. that pick is I'm a big believer in continuity of a team when you build uh, a team to have backups that fill similar type of roles as your starters. I think because when you run a system, you want to kind of have the similar type of guys. And Amari Bailey's passing could lead to a very perfect fit as a backup point guard to Lamelo because he'll also mm -hmm. be able to give you very good passing and very good defending. Like Lamelo won't be able to. So I really, I really feel like he'd be like a perfect backup point guard. That's his potential, and you know, mm -hmm. to Lamelo Ball. So I feel like Charlotte definitely drafted a lot of guys and make a ton of sense for them. High upside and good fits. So Charlotte's here five. Okay. Okay. Um, so outside of Brandon Miller, right? Do you believe that any of these, that any of the th other three picks, um, do you believe that they are day one? Starters? No. They're not. Okay. They're not day one. Okay. Bench guys. That was just a question. Yeah. They're bench guys. Okay. So <clears throat> my take on this is that I believe that the Charlotte Hornets are definitely winners of the NBA draft. Um, I believe they went the right direction in getting Brandon Miller. I mean, they got a a, a legit score, some guy who can uh, I mean, a guy who can who can shoot really well, who can really put the ball on, on the floor and you know take it to the hole and kind of kind of really plays really well next to Lamelo, mm -hmm. considering what Lamelo is able to bring to the to the um to the game. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as his passing ability and his court vision and things like that, like he really knows how to elevate those players. So. And then that's perfect for like a player like Brandon Miller, who like you know, even though he's a shot creator, you can kind of put him next to the Melo. Melo mm -hmm. can really set him up and keep the game going and get him elevated and kind of help with his development as well. Agreed. And then um, I will talk about that last pick though as well. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that he would be perfect as a backup, um, considering his passing ability and what he brings to the game. You know, just like Lamelo, when you put the, when Lamelo leaves the floor. And you put him in, it's not like you lose too much, mm -hmm. and that's a good player to have. When yeah. you when you switch out and you rotate, you don't want to lose what you have with the starters. Yeah. You don't want to want it to be too much of a drop off. And I believe that Amari Bailey brings just enough passing ability that it's not too much of a drop off when Lamelo's on the bench, and it, he could still he's still able to really put everybody in position and really play that point guard role very well. So I think that the Charlotte Hornets definitely built very well through the draft. Um, they're continuing to build through the, very well through, during the draft, and they're going to continue to be exciting as, as well, well into the future based on the draft picks. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. You ready to bring some negativity to this podcast? <laughs> Sadly, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, time to hate on some basketball teams. Let's get it started. The number one biggest loser in the draft is the Detroit Pistons. Yes. 
Number one, their, their fifth pick in the draft was a Sir Thompson. You know, I had a Sir Thompson at number eight on my big board. It's not like I'm super hating because of the talent, but I hate the fit because a Sir Thompson is an extremely intelligent player. When you watch him, mm-hmm. he's the type of guy that needs the pick and roll and to have high volume of pick and rolls to be his best self at the next level because of how smart he is, how good of a passer he is. And his passing plays off of his ability to get to the rim and, you know, shoot in the mid-range and stuff like that. Like, his best version of himself is a high-volume bell handler role. But when you have Cade Cunningham, whose best version of himself is a high-volume ball handler role, who's going to be a better player than a sore. And then you have Jaden Ivey, who is a highly dynamic guy with the bonus hands, and you want him with a pick-and-roll. It doesn't make much sense to have another guy. It's a similar type of guy. Um, even if he is 6'7", and he can technically play small forward, he's not a good fit with the other guys. It makes no sense. And they added insult to injury at the next pick, number 25. They drafted six foot two Marcus Sasser point guard. <laughs> um, mm. This makes no sense. He's a pretty average passer. He can shot create for himself a little bit kind of an underwhelming athlete so i had him like 40 on my big board most people had him in the second round anyway i was extremely surprised by this because they didn't need a backup point guard like that wasn't something that was needed right then and there they already have just drafted a sore thompson like why are you adding another guy and them completely neglecting the power forward position and the small forward position in this draft when they so clearly just need bodies to develop at those two spots is just ridiculous to me. Um, I I can't believe that they walked out of this draft without guys that fill the needs of what they can need and guys that, okay, maybe they're raw, but you could put them in there right now and give them five years because there's nobody else playing the power for example. Yeah. For example. So... I hate what the Pistons did, and they get an F, F minus, minus, minus. This is a bad draft, and they're number one here. F minus, 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 minus. Okay, so because you don't agree with those two picks, who do you believe the Pistons should have taken? Uh, I would have drafted Taylor Hendricks, and then who's a power forward from UCF. Number three guy on my big board. Uh, he would have been perfect. He could shoot a three, defend really well. And then a small forward position, there's a gazillion guys. I mean, you could have drafted a three-point shooter like a Jolian Strower. Uh, you could have drafted another, you know, a small forward that had like a Bryce Sensible who was on the board. He was 6'6 with a 7-foot wingspan uh, from Ohio State. There, there could have been a lot of guys. And I would have drafted any of yeah. those type of guys over what they did here. Mm. Okay. All right, well, you heard it here first. Yeah, you did. This is get the F minus, 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 <laughs> minus, minus, minus. <laughs> All right, you ready to kick it to the go. next one? Yeah, let's go. All right, the most uh, un- very the most expected team to be on this list, number two, top five losers, Orlando Magic. Uh, at the sixth pick in the draft, they drafted Anthony Black. Uh, I have him 15 on my big board. I don't think he has much upside. He's a good defender. He's a poor man's Lonzo Ball. He's a good passer, but he's not like a super elite. I think his passing is a smidge overrated. He can't really shot great for himself. 
you know, he really relies at Arkansas to get him at the rim, but he's not a great athlete, so I don't think it's going to translate as well um, as well as people think it is. So I'm, I definitely smell bust there. And then they reach with the 11th pick in the draft. I mean, he was a 24th guy on my big board, Jet Howard. He's just a three-point shooter. It doesn't make much sense there. That's a waste of the pick at number 11. Um, you know, he he's a guy that may, when you watch the highlight tapes, might have a few plays where shot creates for himself in the three-point lane. But if you actually watch him play full games, once it takes more than the two dribbles, it's going the other way. His handle is extremely raw. It's terrible. I It's so raw that I just don't see it ever developing. So I'm not a big believer on his upside. And, you know, I'm surprised that... The, Orlando does, but this is what Orlando does. They they draft terribly, so it is what it is. Yeah. They're here number two. Uh, Orlando, <clears throat> I think I said this before, um, probably like in the episode before when we did the live reaction, I said that Orlando is a terribly, they, like they, their front office sucks when it comes to drafting. They just get extremely lucky. I think you said that they got extremely lucky as far as like the penny and the shack and stuff like that. But yeah. they just, I don't think they really truly understand what their needs are or how to truly build a team Yeah. Um, at this stage, especially for like the type of NBA that we're moving into. Um, because like to make those two picks is like not very smart considering what you, what you have already, what you need. And you just, you just, completely neglected that so i guess going forward my my question for you would be who should they have taken since we're giving these guys losers because they have completely disregarded the fact that they have a need on their team who should they have taken at these spots um good question at 11 i would have taken cam whitmore even with the medical issues if you're going to take a guy who's probably going to stay on the bench forever I'd rather take a, a home run swing there, especially when you're a rebuilding team. Um, at the guard position, Jalen Hushvino, the 11th guy on my big board, point guard. Um, he has so much more scoring skill than Anthony Black. He's the same height. I mean, minus an inch. He's 6'6", Anthony Black 6'7", but... When when you have Franz Wagner on the team, when he's so special passing wise, yet Anthony Black type of guy just also doesn't make much sense schematically. So I would have I would have chosen Jalen Hutchinson. Mm. Yeah, a, more, a better day one. Considering that I think they're trying to, I think I was reading somewhere that they were trying to get rid of Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs. Yeah, they got a gazillion like guards. So. That haven't yeah, really they're blossomed. trying to get rid of those two guys. Yeah. So, hey, who knows? Who knows what Orlando's doing? I don't think Orlando even know what they're doing. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All, right. All right, you ready to transition to the next team? Yeah, let's go. The third biggest loser in the draft is the Washington Wizards, drafting the 32nd guy on my big board by Lyle at 7. Um, I don't think anybody in the world would have ever guessed that this guy would have been here. The highest I was seeing is like, oh, he might, he might, you know, if it's like everything goes away, he might go 14, right? Like, he's 6'6 with a 7'2 wingspan. Um, he's a pretty good athlete, not a great athlete, not a very good athlete, but he's, he's a pretty solid athlete. Um, you know, he can get to the rim. 
and finish, but it, it's not overwhelming. He's also not a great shot creator from like the mid range or the three point line. Extremely raw in those areas. He can hit a standstill shot though, but you know, this guy is so raw and doesn't have a ginormous upside either. I mean, I understand the positional fit because they need a two guard, obviously, because they just traded Bradley Beal and Jordan Poole's going to be their point guard, but. This makes no sense to me. Um, their 42nd pick in the draft was Tristan Vucevic. Uh, he's an international guy, 7-footer. He's got some upside because he can handle the ball well, even though he's extremely raw at everything that has to come around being a center, even in, with his ball handling. So I understand that pick. I'm not really hating on it. It's kind of a boomer bust center pick there, so it's worth a risk at 42. But, you know, this is a terrible draft pick because of bio. Who should they have taken? At the two guard at number seven? Yeah. Good question, Chris. Good question. You know, if they wanted Keep a defensive guy, I would have thought I would have went with Casey Wallace. Because Jordan Poole's not a mm. work class passer. Casey Wallace is gonna defend the poo out of the ball. I called him a generational defensive talent. You know he's a yeah. he's a point guard, but he's also six four. So you could play because he can defend the one or two. So him with Jordan Poole would make a lot of sense because he's not the kind of guy that needs the ball in his hands a lot, but Jordan Poole is. So they would play off each other really well. So I I would have went with uh, if they wanted to go guard there, I would have went with him from the, with the Kentucky kid. That's fair. <clears throat> And what about uh, was it the forty second pick right they have? I don't mind that pick. That's that's fine. Okay. Yeah, no issues there. They want to take a boomer bus guy there. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. They just went for a shot in the dark because they don't have anything. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, you ready to transition? Yeah. Let's go. All right, the fourth guy, the fourth uh, team biggest losers is the Miami Heat, drafting Jaime Hawkes. 42nd guy on my big board today, the 18th pick in the draft. I don't think there was anybody that had this guy outside of maybe the 29th pick in the draft. Like, everybody universally agreed that he is a second-round draft pick. I'm amazed at what the Miami Heat just did. He's just so limited athletically that I just don't think his skill set uh, from UCLA is going to really translate. He does have mid-range game, but he also has a lot of post-up game. At the height of 6'7", mm-hmm. he's like a thinner guy, and he's really inefficient. His three-point shot isn't either isn't amazing either. He's like a low 30s type of guy. So defensively, like he can't guard. So, you know, even though it's the Miami Heat and they deserve their ability to, you know, have the benefit of the doubt, I'm doubting it. <laughs> this is, in yeah. my head, this is a terrible draft pick. Um, so, yeah. The Miami Heat are number four here. With Jaime... Jaime Hawkes. Hawkes? Is... Hawkes, okay. Um, I, I, I mean, I would agree with that here. I mean, cause just because I feel... Okay, so I've watched a little bit of highlights just to see. Because a lot of people were saying, like, oh, that's a good pick. He's a hooper. You can't tell me he's not a hooper. <laughs> I watched a little bit, and I was like, he kind of is a hooper. Like, he, but the thing, the problem you have with drafting this guy is, like, 
you have Jimmy. Jimmy does the exact same thing, so they can't coexist on the court together because they kind of create from the same from the from the same areas. Like Jimmy is a pure, the purest of mid range shooter yeah. I've ever seen. You know what I mean? And if is Jaime right? Jaime Hawkins. Jaime, he he shoots from the mid range too. Like majority of his shots, even with the like the small amount of like uh, you know highlights i've seen it was just like he did a lot of shot creation from the mid-range where like he would create mid-range or he's driving so he kind of like cancels out against jimmy butler unless like they probably going to work some magic that's what i thought i can see it but i feel like is that i mean like i'm not gonna say i'm down on it but i'm saying like if it works it works because like i said before when we were talking about the thing the Charlotte Hornets was like, if you have a step down and it's not too bad of a step down, then, and you still can kind of get similar to what you already have with the starter, which will be Jimmy Butler in that case. If he is going to be a backup, then I guess they kind of win a little bit. They just get deeper. Okay. Yeah. It's a interesting draft pick. I disagree with it, but you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. You ready to transition? Let's go. All right. The last loser, the fifth loser we have in the draft before we transition to talking about trades is Grady Dick at 13. He was, you know, the 16th guy on my big board. He's a really great standstill shooter. Moves off ball really well. He's highly taught, well taught at those things. He's going to be an average defender. He's 6'8", with a 6'8", wingspan, I want to say. My player comparison was P.M. Johnson. But to the Toronto mm. Raptors, that's a terrible pick because they got a gazillion forwards already. I mean, they got mm. uh, OG Ananubi, who's six seven. They got uh, uh, Pascal Siakam. They got Scotty Barnes. They got Preses Atua. They got Otto Porter Jr., Thaddeus Young. Like, they got a gazillion bodies there. And having a guy at the 13th pick that is just going to be a bench player is a waste of a lottery pick. Like, you at least got to draft a guy that has the potential to become a starter for you one day. Um, and I just don't see him becoming a starter for them one day. So I disagree with this draft pick. Uh, I would have, they desperately needed a two guard. And I would have drafted whoever they thought was the best two guard there, even if it was a boomer bust guy. <clears throat> well, would they try to, like, maybe get him to be a two? Because, like, Six, I, you know, he you can't know, guard what? the two. Oh, yeah. That's true. But, Let okay, me ask you so this question. My whole... Can Cam Johnson guard sorry, the two? Can Cam Johnson guard the two? No. Yeah, no. can do it. So, my, that's the only problem with this is, like... Because, like, the Toronto Raptors are known to, like, grab, like, the tall guys because, like, they have a... That's the system that Nick Nurse was building over there with, like, where... They, I mean, not Nick... Well, Nick Nurse and the GM was, like... Mm-hmm. They get, like, a lot of tall guys with length who can, like, defend and stuff like that. So that's why when I hear a 6'8", I was like, oh, that kind of fits. But you're absolutely right. They do have – they're very deep at the forward position because their forwards play pretty much every position. So it's like they have a bunch of forwards everywhere or forward height or forward – like, those type of like those type of forwards with, like, that kind of height, like, at every position. So it's like I don't know if that truly works because – well, he would ju- he'll just end up being a bench player in- at the end of the day, right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Who's he starting over? Who's he gonna Who's gonna take minutes from? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. 
and now they're not going Pascal at the center, so you know it's it's going to be Fred VanVleet, whoever their two guard is, Scotty Pascal and Podol and Coloco. Like there's going to be an iron wall in front of Grady Dick to get minutes, and I just don't get it. I don't yeah. get it, man. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. It would make sense though if they were moving on from Pascal. Then I'd be like, okay, the sh- the shooting that Scotty Barnes needs in that situation makes sense, right? But yeah, until Pascal gets moved, which it seems like they're not gonna ever move him, um, you know, uh, uh, yeah. So Brady Dick here at thirteen yeah. doesn't make questions. I was starting to think that Pascal was gonna be like their franchise player, but I'm not completely sure anymore. No, me either. Already, you ready to transition? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's get these reactions in. So, Chris, what's your reaction to the Suns receiving Bradley Beal, Isaiah Todd, uh, and uh, Jordan Goodwin and Landry Shamit? The Wizards receive CP3. Oh my bad, Landry Shamit and six second round draft picks and four first round draft pick swaps. What's your take on that trade? I mean. We've seen what the Washington did with those picks and swaps and stuff like that, so thumbs down on that. Um, <clears throat> CP3 is never going to win a is never going to wear a Wizards jersey, so and you got Jordan pullback, so I guess that's okay. Um, but I, I I don't like the Bradley Beal to the Suns. I don't like it, and it's not because I don't like the fit. It's because I'm tired of super teams. I'm tired of seeing three all-stars on a team mm-hmm. trying to, you know, teaming up to try to win a championship. I liked it better. I said it before, and I'll say it again. I liked it better when there was just dynamic duos around the league. I think it was like 2020, and then I think James Harden joined the Brooklyn Nets in 2021, and that kind of messed up the way the league was, was looking at the time. But I feel like basketball was better then. Um because you didn't have to, like, oh, dag, I got to go play the Suns. How am I going to beat the Suns? They got three guys who can drop 50 on my head at any moment. So it's like, why would I want to, you know, it's like, I mean, of course, as a player, you're not thinking that because you, like, you think you could beat anybody. You're better than everybody. Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't, it's kind of like, I wouldn't want to watch anything like that because I'm just like, dag, it, once they figure it out, they're just going to just run through the league because, like, they have too much. I mean, the only problem they're missing right now is that they don't have any passing. But once they get the passing in there, then it's pretty much like curtains, in my opinion. So, like, I just think that I just don't like the the building of a super team teaming up to go win a ring. When there, I mean, like, you there was other player, other places he could have went where I think that it might have been like a little bit more equal around the league instead of trying to be okay. We're the three headed monster in Phoenix now. It, you know, I just I could have I could have done without that trade. Yeah, I, I'm going to talk about a different angle. You know, I agree with you that the Wizards got a little... I think they got too little for Bradley Beal, but after they traded those assets for Jordan Poole, it makes more sense. Uh, and honestly, I disagree. I don't think you've got to worry about the NBA being disappropriately balanced because this team will underperform if people think they're going to win a ring because fit is absolutely terrible. It Look, if they don't add a point guard, 
that can pass the freaking basketball. <laughs> look, 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 the reason why... Look, I'll give you examples. Do you remember when KD was with Brooklyn and the Boston Celtics squeezed the life out of him and he was extremely turnover prone with when they would force doubles and they would put pressure on him and make him into a passer and he led on to high yeah. turnovers. He is, is not able to be an initiator and a playmaker. And Devin Booker may be an above-average two-guard passer, but as a point guard, he's below average, right? So, you know, it's yeah. he's not going to be able to close the gap that much either. And adding Bradley Beal, who's like a below-average passer for the two-guard position, is doesn't make much sense. I understand the scoring talent there, but they have to be passers and be initiators and be playmakers because they're going to have the ball in their hands a gazillion amount of time so much so much time and even on top of that uh, you know they're going to be an extremely high turnover team and balanced basketball Mm -hmm. teams that may not have as much talent on paper will run through them like the Denver Nuggets they would not beat that Denver Nuggets team they they wouldn't Mm -mm. no way not in a million years way too balanced takes care of the ball way too well. This team has real issues. And then you add you you add that to Bradley Beal is a shot creator for himself as a two guard that does three point and mid range shot creation. That sounds very similar. Oh, you have Devin fucking Booker. Neither one of those guys are oh man, they're so athletic once they get to the rim, they're gonna finish. No. They're the same exact type of guy. They're above average mm-hmm. athletes. They overcome that with overwhelming skill in the mid range of the three point line. So one of them's gonna have to sacrifice their scoring game anyway, and it's probably gonna be Bradley Beal. He may end up being what Ray Allen was on the Boston Celtics, give you a sixteen a game really efficiently. So I, I don't think you gotta yeah. worry about it, Chris. And on top of everything else, we have their head coach is the inept offensive Frank Vogel. That is the same True. the same guy that threw out terrible offensive lineups with the Lakers where he couldn't figure out what to do with Kyle Kuzma. You remember how talented Kyle Kuzma was on that Lakers team the year before they got LeBron James and when he went to the Wizards, he was averaging 18 to 19 a game. But when he was with the Lakers, yeah. he was averaging 10 to 12. I wonder why. Oh, that's because Frank Vogel is a defensive head coach and he can't figure out how to build an actual offense. Oh, because he couldn't figure out how to get Kuzma and get the best version of Kuzma. That's in a classic example. Sure. So you give that offensive net guy three ridiculous offensive superstars, and he has to make that work? That's a ridiculously tall task for a guy who's inept offensively. And he's defensive specialist. Sure. The only guy on the team that can defend is Josh freaking Akogi. Like, you think Bradley Bill can defend? No. You think KD's a good defender still? No, he's like an above-average guy. D-Book's not going to be stuck. He's an above-average defender. Who's defending anybody? Like, they might have more scoring skill than anybody else in the league. But that doesn't gonna, isn't, isn't going to equal a ring. If they add somebody in free yeah. agency that's going <laughs> to give them the passing... I can understand this, but if this is going to be the roster, not a chance. Not a mm. chance. It's, hey, hey, I don't I agree with that. Um, so who would they add, though? Like, I don't think there's any who is available that they could get passing wise for this team. Not CP3. 
Oh, definitely not. No, they're not going to bring him back. He's with the Warriors now. It's going to have to be somebody oh. ridiculously cheap, too, because what money do they have? DeAndre Ayton's paid. Yeah. KD's paid. Bradley Beal's paid. That's part of the issue is, like, who the heck are they going to get? Mm. Good question. Yeah. So unless they find right. a perfect fit, this is going to be an extreme issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. my take. Yeah, I can see it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can see that side of things. I'm just, like I said, I'm tired of seeing super teams, especially when they, like, I'm just tired of seeing super teams. I'd rather have... You know, it'd be yeah. more equally distributed throughout the league, mm-hmm. and then it becomes better basketball because you can't really be like, oh, that team looks like the best on paper, you know. But, like, I guess they run into the same problem as Brooklyn. It's Brooklyn 2.0. Um, it's worse because <laughs> they don't they don't have a iso Martin. ball. <laughs> yeah, they don't have the passer. They don't have I- the connective guy. Yeah, it's ISO game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready to transition? <laughs> Yes, All right, from one Wizards trade to another, the next trade that I'm going to need your reaction on, Chris, is CP3 grading traded to the Golden State Warriors. The Wizards get uh, Jordan Poole, a protected first, and uh, one second-round draft pick. So, Chris, what do you think about that trade? I'm trying to figure out... Like I don't, I'm not mad at the trade, right? Because okay. I know what CP3 brings to the game, right? As far as like his passing ability, he elevates and he can hit, knock down that mid range. You know, they they, ask, they give them some shooting from the point guard position. But my whole thing is that if you have Draymond on the floor, which I'm assuming he's signing, and then you put, but like you're not gonna, you're not. How would you do that? Because you're not going to put Steph at the two because he technically couldn't be the two, and you're not going to put Clay at the three to put CP3 in, so he's going to be a backup. So like you would just ha- you wouldn't you wouldn't see like you probably in rotation wise. I mean, like I don't know how this is going to work, but you probably wouldn't see CP3 and Steph on the floor. So then you wouldn't be able to see like his true passing ability. So he's going to be a backup. I'm not like, and I still think that he's a starting level point guard in the NBA. Technically, I you know I think so at least. So I just don't I don't really see the fit there. I think that might have to be explained to me because you already have Draymond. Draymond's your passer from the center position, like center power forward position. Like he's really your passer. He's the one who really kind of gets the offense moving. Um, but I don't see how you can put CP3 and Steph on the floor at the same time to make it work. Okay. Um, so that's go ahead. That's kind of where my head goes. That's kind of where my head okay. went. So like, I'm, I may be wrong, but like, I just kind of don't quite see the picture. Whereas like, you can put all three of them or all four of them on the floor, like Draymond, Clay, Steph, and CP3 on the floor at the same time, and it works. I just, I just, I don't see because you're not gonna put Steph at the two, and I mean, you might be able to like Clay to the three, but he's still undersized. So it's like, I don't see how that truly works unless you just want him to be a backup. Then, I mean, I guess it works. But you lose something as well because you don't have Jordan Poole anymore. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I I I think that there can be point in times where they do play them all on the same floor. But I, I definitely think that the minutes where Draymond Green is not going to be on the floor... 
CP3 is probably going to play every single minute. Um, and when you yeah. think about the passing that Andre Iguodala had as like that secondary passer, maybe Draymond Green when CP3 is on the floor will be like Andre Iggy. So I, I think with Iggy and the way we've seen Iggy and Dre play with their shooting, um, so I think the formula has already been proven to be able to be winning when they do have two um, you know, so I do think that he will be able to do those things. He'll be a perfect fit in the offense. There's so much movement, uh, everybody on the floor. So I, I definitely think that he, you know, he won't be as productive as he was with the Suns, but he'll be an extremely valuable piece. I think he'll get 30 minutes a game, but he is just such a great passer with that offense. It just makes too much sense fit wise. I also think defensively, mm -hmm. he's an extremely intelligent player. So I think his brain will, you know, do a lot of impact. And they they needed, I I think they needed to move away from the cloud of Jordan Poole. So that's an extra positive. Like, they won by default just by getting rid of Jordan Poole and the instant with him and Draymond. So, you know, I think Jordan Poole and the Wizards makes a ton of sense. I think he'll average 25 a game. It'll be his team. Uh, as fast as they play as well, so I, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like the Wizards definitely will love having pull there, but the Warriors are CP3 makes a lot of sense, in my opinion. Okay, I guess I just, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure they'll figure it out. I, I trust Steve Kerr's coaching ability, but just don't see like I feel like they would be undersized if they were able to get all three of them on the floor at the same time. Yeah, I can see that, but luckily Clay's six seven. Yeah. We'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. All right. You ready to transition? Let's move on to the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Wow. It's almost like you can see the same list. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. The next trade is the Boston Celtics receiving Kristaps Porzingis. Two firsts for Memphis. Memphis receiving Marcus Smart. Wizards receiving Darnella Gallinari. Uh, Tyus Jones and Mike Muscala. So what do you think about that trade, Chris? Oh, man. I think that's a good trade. I, I, I really do. I think that the Christos Porzingis to the Celtics actually works. I think that that adds a level of scoring that they were missing for, as far as like at the forward, kind of small forward position. And they also have, and he has also a pretty decent defender. We've seen some, you know, some flashes of him being able to really bang down low and kind of get into the rhythm of kind of being in the post. So he kind of doesn't get into anybody's ways, but he also can stretch the floor as well. So it also that's I think that's a valuable piece, especially when you're building. You add more length, more scoring, um, and then you don't really have to defend. I mean, depend on kind of like undersized guards. Mm -hmm. I mean, not undersized guards, undersized forwards to kind of try to fit into that position. Mm -hmm. You can kind of have people play their natural position a little bit more, so that you don't have to. You're not quite moving them out of the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, out of the. I mean, moving them out of place to. Um, to kind of fit them into the scheme. So I, I like this pick. I like this pick for Celt for the Celtics. Now, on the other side, Memphis, I do like this as well, considering that they won't have a point guard for about 23, 25 games because John Morant will be out suspended. So I think this adds, this still brings that toughness. You know what I mean? And the scoring will be lacking. But the toughness will be there. The defensive capabilities will be there. So they'll also be able to, like, defend a lot better as a team, especially with Marcus Martin on the floor. Um, and I, Danilo Gallinari, once again, that's another guy who brings a lot of 
scoring to the to the table. He was great with the Clippers at one point. Um, so I think that, that that's also a good pickup for them because they add more scoring. Um, you know, especially if you're coming off the bench with them. I I, I like it for on both sides, honestly. That's I think that's a pretty decent trade trades on both sides. Okay. Okay. All right. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I agree with the Boston Celtics take. I definitely think Chris Porzingis makes so much sense. Um, the they desperately needed a taller center because two of the four best teams in the East are Giannis and the Bucks and all their height and six eleven Giannis and seven foot Brook Lopez and six ten Bobby Portis. Um, and they also have to face off against Joel Embiid, right? So, Chris Stapps Porzingis is seven two. He's filled out his body. He's, you know, plays center. He plays defense the rim at such a better level than he used to. Um, his three-point shooting is going to be great. He, he'll he be able to give them a solid, you know, 12 to 14 a game as like a fourth or fifth score, but to give you those buckets uh, where it's like he'll consist of, you You can rely on Kristaps to give you 14 to 15. And... Yeah. Uh, that's just much more offensively than Robert Williams was going to ever bring. So the spacing-wise mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, for Memphis, I am a little bit disagreeing with it because, you know, even Marcus, even though Marcus Smart is a great defender, it's kind of like a drastic misuse of his talents in the sense mm-hmm. of, because when they're going to have be when John Morant comes back, they're going to have John ja Morant, uh, Desmond Bain, and Marcus Smart. Now, John ja Morant's 6'3", 6'4". Desmond Bain's like 6'2", 6'3". Marcus Smart's like 6'3", 6'4". So, yeah. even though Marcus Smart can guard the small forward position, you know, but his best ability is guarding guards, right? And it's kind of a waste of talent because if you have him guard a guard, okay, then you're going to have... John Morant guarding small forwards or Desmond Bain guarding small forwards, right? Like, it, it's a really terrible fit in that sense. Um, so, you know, even though I understand them wanting to get the toughness and the mentality and those type of things, and he can guard small forwards, I think it's a misuse of talent, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so I, I disagree. I I think if they wanted a guard defender that badly, I would have instead of getting Marcus Smart, I'd rather try to get Grant Williams and Derek White. Yeah. You know, Grant Williams, if you really wanted that forward defender that could guard guards as well, he'd be a perfect fit. So I disagree. Yeah, I think I'm questioning the fit. And the Wizards got robbed. I'm getting to Golinari, Tyus Jones, Mike Mascala back for Chris Apps, Porzingis, no picks. Um yeah, I don't know what they were smoking, but you know, they have Jordan Poole, so they have something to cheer about. True. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything else to say before we transition? Oh uh, no, you go. Ahead. Okay, one <laughs> more trade. We got John Collins for Rudy Gay in a second. What do you think about that? John Collins to Utah looks a lot looks really good to me. Okay. Um. I, I liked what he was able to do in Atlanta. I feel like he was on the constantly on the chopping block, so mm-hmm. I'm glad they finally moved away from him. You know what I mean? Instead of just he's always in trade rumors. Um, he's very athletic. He can defend. Um, you know he he's 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 a pretty decent scorer. 
Um, so I think they they added some defense, some defenses, uh, athletic defender to their uh, to their team. So they they look a lot better. Um, Rudy Gay, I mean, he's kind of old. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, so Atlanta just, I mean, they, I don't believe they got better. So, but you do have that veteran leadership and a young team now. So I guess in that sense, maybe they got a little bit better. But other than that, I mean, it's. Utah is the winner of this of this trade anyway, in my opinion. They got John Collins. Yeah. So Yeah, I uh I agree. On paper, I definitely feel like the Utah Jazz won the trade. Um, you know, even though John Collins fit with uh Laurie Markinen's a little off, but I can understand where they're coming from. Uh, but I feel like Atlanta feels good that they move out of their contract. And my theory about this is I have a gut feeling that Quinn Snyder truly believes that they need their power forward to shoot threes. Mm-hmm. And I think that they might be like, okay, John Collins is never going to be able to do that. Let's move on to his contract and see if we can get somebody free agency. That's what I think this was. Yeah. I think this is a contract move. This is not the way we think the teams could be best built. And even though we mm-hmm. lose in this individual trade, it allows us to build what they think their vision is, which I'm Judging from what the trade is, it leads me to believe that they believe they want a shooting power. Yeah. yeah. They, they want a lot more shooting on the floor. I can see that. Um, so, hey. All I, right. You ready to talk about the Utah last? Jazz won that All one. right. You ready to talk about the last thing? Yeah. All right, Chris. What's your opinion on Ja Morant getting that 25-game suspension? Um... I'm okay with it. I, I don't, I mean, like, honestly, if it was truly a toy, like it was, like he said it was, and we've seen the videos of, like, where it was kind of like a lighter, then I'm not too mad at it. I mean, if it was a real gun and he, like, was like, okay, you know, I mean, if it was a real gun and he was really putting himself and other people in danger, then I would be a little bit mad because it feels like a slap on the wrist. But other than that, if it's a toy, I mean, it's a toy. Now, that's just one side of things. Now, the other side of things where I feel like, at the same token, it's it's the representation, you know, because, you, you know, you're a franchise player for the mm. Memphis Grizzlies. You represent the team, represent the NBA, represent the league, whether you uh, acknowledge it or not. You know, whenever you take a picture or get on live or something like that and you're holding something that seems as, like, a weapon of some sort, then it looks bad on the league. So um, I think that whether toy real or not he shouldn't be you know broadcasting that because there are you know people out in the world you know younger children younger not younger children but children and younger adults who look up to john Mm -hmm. and they don't want to see you you know doing some of the same things that they can see if they you know look outside so it's you see that to be a better role model um especially when you know people are looking at you and really really truly being very um What's the word for it? Um, it, it? You know, critiquing everything that you do, especially when you got you already got the um, the one suspension, and now you're looking at another suspension. So I think it's just time to just you know let go some of the childish things and kind of you know get more into okay, I'm in the league, you know, I'm realizing my dream. I got people looking at me, looking up to me. I need to do better. Um, so I mean, I think that the 25 games. I mean, he loses money either way. 
So I think the 25 games, I think that's a decent punishment for me. I, you don't have to be suspended all all year, mm-hmm. all season. I mean, I feel like that doesn't make much sense. But if, like I said, if it's truly a toy and it was found to be a toy, I agree with whatever he got. It's just that he just needs to maybe undergo counseling or something like that. Just kind of get his mind back on track far as and with and leave the outside shenanigans alone and focus more on living the dream that he was able to accomplish. You know, how many people is it's not many people who are able to get drafted. He got drafted and he's he was he's he has already working on two suspensions and that's not looking good for him going forward. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um you know I, I feel like the twenty five games is a pretty solid suspension. I feel like the main point here was to send him a message and other NBA players a message as well is that we're not going to take that type of behavior, especially if he's been warned one time. Um, And on top of that, it seemed like due to the fact that he was negligent enough to do it a second time, it definitely seemed like he didn't get it through his head. So there needed to be a harsh Mm -hmm. punishment. He needed, you know, to, to learn from it. And they, they needed a show of, a force, a show of unity, a show of uh, we will not accept X. And, you know, I feel like those are the right decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if I have to give it a draft grade, oh, is it whatever, I give it an A. Yeah. yeah. Solid suspension. Yeah. <laughs> That's a solid suspension. Yeah. Alrighty. That is the end. Yes, sir. I hope you guys enjoy listening. And you know what I mean? Once again, if you disagree with our winners and losers, please, you know, jump in the comments and talk to us about it. We're all for it. Uh, we love the back and forth that you guys give us. Um, we got a lot of fun things coming there in this off season. We're going to keep it more current. going to talk about a lot of the things that's coming up as far as like maybe, you know, like some make some top 10 lists going into the new season and things like that. So Look out for that coming soon. Uh, today is Monday the 26th. We're recording this, and this will be dropping tomorrow, um, which will be the 27th at around noon. Mm-hmm. Um, so look out for that as well. Um, you got anything you want to say before we close out? Hey, the NBA free agency starts on Friday, June 30th. So we will be recording a podcast on July 12th, two days after, to talk about that free agency see if there's any big signings on the first few days that is going to be an exciting time and you guys will be able to know that we will cover it we will have plenty of content for the free agency it's going to be a lot of moving moving pieces and we'll break everything down to our expert expert level that we always get <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly 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 all right man all right so i'm chris mom i'm jason collins and we are the best boys. Peace. Ouch. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the super light tree runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com code SUPER24.